Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. And can we welcome all of our campuses Appleton campus, Brookfield campus, Milwaukee campus, Germantown online? Wherever you are connecting with us from, we are so delighted that you are connecting and that you're here and that you're a part of us. And I also want to give a big shout out to the Johnston fam- or the Johnson family in California. They made a transition a little over a year and a half ago, and they still watch us pretty regularly. And so if Stan and Brittany, if you're watching, want to give you a big shout out, tell you that we love you and uh, hope everything's good in your world. And I hope everything's going great in your world as well and that uh, you are doing well. And so if you have your Bibles today, I want to get right into this message because I have Man, I wanted to preach last week, and we had a guest. I don't know who planned that, but, uh, and so, I, I, and I'm not going to, I'm on a time. I got a big clock down here. They keep making it bigger every week. But uh, Nehemiah chapter number one, Nehemiah chapter one, as we're kind of rounding out the end of this summer series, this highlight series, what I like to do in the month of August is just kind of bring us back as a church body to what we're here for, what we're about uh, so if you're new to Life Church, and let me say this, there are new families every service at every campus uh, every weekend, and I'm not making that stuff up. That's just the, the information that we have and the data that we have, and, and you fill out a, a next step card, and, and so uh, welcome. And so if you see someone that you go, I don't know if I've ever seen them before, it's a good chance that you haven't because they're new here. And so just welcome people, say hello, walk across, say hi to somebody. And if you do that and someone goes, I've been attending Life Church for two years, just say, well, I haven't had a chance to meet you, and so it's good to meet you. Because that happens to me, if that happens at all, right? Because in multiple campuses and multiple services on any given weekend, uh, I was actually out at a restaurant this week and out on the patio, and a guy walks by and says, you pastor a church. You're, and I could just, it was processing his brain as he was, and you pastor at Life Church. And he said, my family and I came to Life Church during uh, when, when churches were kind of shut down and you guys were open and just, just wanted to say thank you, keep doing what you're doing, your staff, your church, the church family, so kind, so amazing. Just, I was like, oh, well, you're welcome. Because I've had other times where it wasn't quite that pleasant. You're the pastor of that church. But anyhow, that was a, it was a good time. So meet people, connect with people. So if you're new here, this is kind of what we're about. And you're going to hear this over the next several weeks. And I'll, I'll be speaking all these next several weeks here in the month of August. Uh, I also try to make it so that it's personal to you. So, because for me, it's like at the end of a sermon, it's like, okay, what's the big what for for this? How, what do I do with this? It, it's, it's a question that I ask at the end of every message for myself. So what? You've been here. You've given of your time and your energy to be here. What's the so what? Now, I know the Holy Spirit does his work, but I want to make sure as a workman that I'm not ashamed of the, of the teaching of God's word, meaning that I've done my responsibility to be able to make sure that, that I have studied to show myself approval. Workmen need not be ashamed. That's what Paul told Timothy. So in these next couple of weeks, there's going to be kind of a corporate overall congregational. Here's what we do. But there's also going to be a personal connection to where you are. And so today I want to talk about what I would call an insatiable burden. I wanna talk about calling. I wanna talk about passion. Again, that's the reason why I have a big clock in front of me, because I love this subject matter. And, uh, and, and in the last year and a half or so with COVID and the, and the pandemic, it just feels like our world has gone crazy. And sometimes it's like crazy flares up, you know? No, okay. And uh, <laughs> you're not living in the same world I'm living in. And, and in that world, I think the enemy of our soul wants to try to either instill us with fear, 
or frustration. Instead of God's word says, no, 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 don't respond to the events around you in fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. Jesus uses the phrase fear not more than any other phrase. That phrase fear not is found in scripture more than any other time, any other phrase in scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. We're also not called to frustration because we know that our steps are ordered of the Lord. Even though we've got an enemy who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that God uses the things that the enemy would try to destroy you and I and our families and all that we touch, God turns around and uses it for our good. So there's no, there's no need to operate in frustration. Now I know you may have those feelings of fear or frustration, but you have to call those things for what they are and then push those things out and say, God, what do you want me to do? And he wants us to respond in faith. And so today, as we look at, the, at, this, at this passage in, in the book of Nehemiah, we're gonna walk to Nehemiah chapter one. You're going to see basically the steps, the process that Nehemiah in his crazy world goes through to change his own world. Now, let me say this. Some of you, you're right in the thick of life. And maybe today's just a reminder of what your burden and your passion are calling is. Some of you, you're at a very pivotal point right now. You're trying to make some very crucial decisions. This will help you process that from God's word. Some of you are at a place where you are wrestling with what is it that God has called you to do? Why are you on this planet? Maybe you're a kid in high school or middle school. Maybe you're a kid in college. Maybe you're a middle-aged businessman or businesswoman and you've had crazy success, but now you're looking for significance. Today's message is for you. Nehemiah chapter number, chapter number one and uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to kind of walk through this and I'm going to kind of give you this process for change. The first thing that we see that Nehemiah does is that he seeks God faithfully. You want to change your world. You want to do what God's called you to do. You want to respond in faith and not fear and frustration. You need to seek God faithfully. Now I know we're in church. You'd say, yeah, I'm sure you'd say that. But let me go back. Check this out. Nehemiah chapter one, verses one through four. It says, now the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and that's really how you say that. I checked that out. So I know I'm from Arkansas and I make stuff up sometimes. I'm just being honest with you guys, but I did that one. And it happened in the month of Cheslev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of the brothers, came with certain men from Judah and, at, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. For the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. You ever felt like that? Yeah. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We see that Nehemiah begins with seeking God right from the very beginning. The context here is that the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar went in, attacked and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and overtook Jerusalem, along with most of the known world, it's called the Babylonian Empire. And he took the Jewish people into captivity. These were people like Daniel. These were people like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These were people like Nehemiah. This is their, their people. And 140 years later, a nobody named Nehemiah was so brokenhearted by the plight of his people and his hometown of Jerusalem and the city, the capital city of his country, that he decided to do something about it. 
And as you read the book of Nehemiah, which if you are in leadership at all, you aspire to leadership at all, these first six, seven, eight chapters of Nehemiah are some of the best chapters on vision, vision casting and and getting people to, to share a vision and to live it out that's anywhere in scripture. Nehemiah, the Bible records, goes to God 12 separate times in prayer, constantly going back to prayer, back to prayer, back to prayer. From the very beginning, from the first time that he encounters this and he feels this burden, he goes to God in prayer. Every time before he approaches the king, he goes to God in prayer. Every point on the journey, he goes to God in prayer. When he faces adversity, he goes to God in prayer. When they finish the wall, he goes to God in prayer. See, passion is more than just a position. The burden that you often bear reveals a calling that you'll embrace. The burden that you bear often reveals the calling that you embrace. Life Church, we're, we're a local church. You're, you're the bride of Christ. And, and the passion at Life Church is life change. We want to see people far away from Jesus come into a relationship with Jesus Christ because we know John 3, 16 is true. For God so loved the entire world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that if we would believe in him, we would not perish but have everlasting life. We want to see life change come to every home, to every individual, anywhere in our world, around the corner and around the world. But we also have a passion to to, to wanna change, not just just our world, but we wanna change others' worlds. And we do this by by gathering together. And how do people come to Life Church? We don't have big, big billboards, we don't have big campaigns, we don't spend a lot of money in any kind of advertising, direct mail, any of that. How does that happen? It's you. It's it's. It's what Andrew does with his brother Peter when he encounters Jesus. Andrew meets Jesus first, and then he goes to his brother Peter, who will be the one who will preach on the day of Pentecost, who will be the one that will lead the New Testament church, who will be the one that will lead the church from Jerusalem. Andrew says, you've got to come and meet this man named Jesus who changed my life. Andrew invested in his brother Peter. He's relationally connected with his brother Peter. And he brings him and he invites him. That's what we do here. We invest and we invite. You invest in people, in your neighborhood, at your school, friends, coworkers, people that you meet around town and in the community. And then you invite them. Hey, why don't you come? And as we go into this fall, we're going to be doing a Life at the Movie series. Not just because it's attractional, but because it helps us address. There's there's seven to nine adult felt needs that we feel in our society. And so how do we deal with that? So we're wanting to take what's happening in our world and go back to God's word and say, what does God's word say about it? How do I live with fear? How do I live with frustration? How do I live? And so we invest in people relationally. And then at the right time and the right opportunity, we invite them to a small group. We invite them to to a gathering. We invite them to an event. We invite them to a weekend service, whatever you feel is appropriate. And we invite them, people that we've invested in. Why? Because that's our passion. That's our burden. That's where it comes from. The reason why I do what I'm doing today is not because I don't have any other options in my life. It's because this is my burden. This is my passion. This is my calling. The reason why I'm here was because 19 years ago, God spoke to my heart and said, I'm going to do a great work in this town. And I'm simply inviting you to be a part. It's passion. It's calling. What gets you up in the morning? What puts you to bed at night? I got to go right on. Point number two, define the role clearly. 
If you are going to lead change, if you're going to visionarily lead change in your own life, in your family, in your business, whatever God's called you to do, you've got to define the role clearly. Look at verse four and verse five. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I just wanna stop there for a second. He didn't go consult a consultant, nothing wrong with that. He didn't go to his coach. He didn't go gain wisdom from anybody else. He just went right back to the Lord. Look at verse five. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild it. Anytime you're trying to lead change, anytime you're trying to lead vision, Clarity is always key. There's a lot of people that want to quote unquote change the world, but how are you going to do it? A lot of people want to make a difference in the world, but what's your process? What's your plan? A lot of people, and again, if you're in business, you get this, especially if you own your own business. What is your niche in the market? What is your, here's what I'm here for. What's business as Drucker would ask and how is business? It's no different than what we're called to do as individuals. It's no different than what we're called to do as a local church. It's no different in us wanting to see life change come around the corner around the world. See, we don't have a lack of caring. That's not our problem. But clarity. Nehemiah was able to communicate his role in a single sentence. Look back at verse 5. You send me to Judah that I may rebuild it. What's interesting about that is that King Anaxerxes, who he was serving under as the king bear, uh, as a cupbearer, was actually <laughs> the people group that destroyed the city that Nehemiah is asking him to help rebuild. Nehemiah knew what gifts and talents and abilities had. He knew the need, he, and he was determined to meet that need. You hear the phrase or the three-letter word DTR, it usually refers to dating relationships. Let's define the relationship. Some of you, your heart just skipped a beat because you're in this room with someone special and you're like, oh, he's going to talk about that. This prop sets it up for me to say, are we like Facebook official now or are we dating? Are we, boy, no, I'm not going there. I'm giving you a new definition to DTR to define the relationship. I would say define the role. Define the role. What's the clarity? What is it that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to do? What is it that God's put in your heart? Is it to raise up world changers in your family? Is it, is, it, is, it to, is it to break the cycle of maybe poverty or, or, or alcoholism or abuse in your family because you come from a long line? Maybe you're the first Christ follower in your family and, and you kind of say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Maybe you're, you're the first one in your family to go to college and so you want to be the first one to graduate and you want to, to break that cycle of lack of education and pr propagation of ignorance. Maybe it's that God's put something in your heart and you're here and you go, man, I, I, I want to tell people about Jesus. I, I, I just, I, I want to see people that, 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 that are lost without Jesus come to faith in Jesus Christ and, and maybe there's a passion and a heart. Can I tell you the, where I got started on this stage wasn't 19 years ago. It was all the way back when I was a kid growing up in a local church in a youth group and a youth pastor that told me I could win my school. I could lead my school to Jesus. And I believed him. 
I was a junior higher. I love middle schoolers. Middle schoolers believe anything you tell them and they actually believe you'll kill them. And you can when you're a youth pastor. So you have a lot of fear in middle schoolers. They're like, yeah, 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 that's what I'll do. Yeah, yeah. High schoolers are like, they figured it out and they're like, nah, no big deal. But middle schoolers, I, when I youth pastor with Tammy and I, we had youth groups of hundreds of kids and, and, and we would love middle schoolers because middle schoolers believe what you told them. I believe that I was one of those middle schoolers. And when I get into high school, I remember Owen Carr coming. He, was, he came in and he talked about 39 major metropolitan centers in America that had a million people or more. I grew up in Fort Smith, Arkansas, the town about the size of Appleton. For those of you at the Appleton campus, about that size. That's exactly where I grew up. And I remember hearing about these major metropolitan areas. I remember going to Times Square Church in downtown New York City when Dave Wilkerson was the pastor. I remember going to these various places and seeing things and, and, and my heart was full and, and God put something in my heart as a junior in high school to help plant churches in, in urban centers in America. And so as a high school kid, the ask was $39 a month. So guess what? I started giving $39 dollars a month from my, I was working at the grocery store and then I moved on up to Kmart. Can I get a witness? Anybody? That was back before they had scanners. I could key that stuff in like a 10 key. Da, 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 da. And then I moved right on up to layaway. It's amazing what people put in layaway. It's scary what some people put up in layaway. I'm just telling you. But, but, but anyhow, and uh, that was 1980 something. Can I get a witness? And so the deal is I remember so when the call came to come here, Milwaukee was one of those 39 cities I used to pray for in high school. It's one of those places that God put in my heart that I knew that, that one day I was going to one of those 39 cities. I didn't know if it was Miami. I didn't know if it was gonna be Los Angeles. I didn't know if it was New York. I would love to live in Manhattan and just see people come to faith in Jesus Christ and just from one tower to another tower, from one high rise to another high rise. This is the passion. This is what puts me, gets me up in the morning and puts me to bed at night. And when I went to Bible college, I, I heard Owen Carr again and they began to do this and they pushed it more. And I remember in Bible college giving money to church plants that were in one of these cities in America. Little did I know that I would be called to serve in the suburban metropolitan area of the great city of Milwaukee. Passion. Here's what I knew. I knew that God wanted me to pastor a local church that would be life-giving, that would see people far away from Jesus Christ come to Jesus. I knew it would be a church that would have a broad demographic, ethnically, economically, and socially. And all I knew is that I was palms up. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do and I'll say and I'll be. And maybe that's you today. And as I begin to talk, there's something that begins to, your blood pressure runs a little faster, your heart beats a little faster, your heart pumps. It's because there's a calling, there's a calling, there's a calling, there's a calling. I mean, there is a high calling. I gotta go on. Number three is make plans purposefully. Make your plans purposefully, not haphazardly, sit down and be purposeful. Look at verse six, seven, and eight. Then the king said to me, with the queen sitting behind, beside him, which I know what that means. Ain't nothing happening unless the queen says, yep, that's right, amen? <laughs> Guys, that was a really good opportunity for you. All right, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? Remember, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He was the most trusted person to the king. So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. 
I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me and the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me the timber to make the beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, for the wall of the city and the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted what I asked for the good hand of God was upon me. Doesn't like having the hand of the Lord. Amen. I don't need your riches. I don't need your money. I don't need your power. I don't need your connection. I just need the hand of God. When God's hand is upon something, God opens up. Remember, the Bible says that the gifts and the talents and the callings that you have will make room for you before kings, Proverbs says. Why? Because God's hand is upon you. Nehemiah had set a time. He had set a destination. And he had outlined a means of getting there. Determine the steps that you must take to do what God has called you to do, whatever that may be. Sit down, make it plain, write it on the tablets. Success isn't accomplishing something great in the future. It's being faithful to do the thing today. I tell people all the time, tell me what it is that you want to do. Tell me what it is that you want to accomplish. Tell me what it is. Let's look at the big, big thing out here and then let's breadcrumb our way back to where we are now. And then let's begin to walk that forward. Oh, there'll be some curveballs and there'll be some things that come out of left field. But at the end of the day, we want to move in that direction. Because then you, I can't do everything, but I can do what I can do today. I, I can't be everywhere, but I can be where I'm at today. I can be faithful today. Be faithful where I'm at today. Don't despise today. Amen. And don't despise small beginnings. You, because God becomes, little becomes much when God's in it. Again, when God's hand is upon it. And nobody thought Nehemiah could do this. Nobody thought this was even possible. And then when it looked like it was going to become possible, they tried to thwart it everywhere they could, the powers that be. But no one could rise up against him. Why? Because God's hand was upon him. Let me illustrate this at Life Church. Again, our passion here is life change. And we do that from you investing in people relationally and inviting people. And I would encourage you, Continue to invest, I know you have, but invite, invite, invite. Invite people to an appropriate gathering that you think would be appropriate, that you think would be helpful for them and, and where they are in their journey. Because there's people that are looking for answers. There are people that are looking for Jesus. There are people that are looking to be a part of something to change the world. So in Milwaukee, one of the things that I have learned in living here for almost two decades is it's one of the shortest commute times of any major metropolitan city in America. The average commute time in Milwaukee Metro, when I say Milwaukee, I'm not, I understand, like, I understand. So um, where I come from, if you drive 30 minutes, you're in the same town. Where here, it's like people go, are you from here? Well, I, I moved to Glendale and, and then I moved back and now I live in Menominee Falls now. And I go, Glendale, like Glendale, Arizona? They go, no. Glendale, California? No. And then they say Glendale, Wisconsin. And I'm like, on the, the, the North Shore, like where I go to California Pizza Kitchen for lunch to get my barbecue chicken pizza. Like I will drive in my car for there for lunch. Yeah, but we're back here now. So I get it. Like Milwaukee's <laughs> one of those towns. It's just like, man, I, we're out in the West. We're, I mean, it's very, right? So nothing wrong with that. It's just reality. So most people work, worship, and live within 20 minutes of their home. It's where they do life. And so... When I realized this, one of the things I knew is that if we were going to reach the city, we were going to have to have multiple campuses. And so today we have four permanent camp campuses right now. And, um, and I also realized that God does things differently than what I would do, you know. 
And so there are times where it's like, God, God does this this way. I would have done it in a different sequential order, but I'm not God. Have you ever tried to help God out like that and just say, God, if you would just let me help you with this for a moment. If we did this before this, it'd be a whole lot easier. This would make a whole lot more sense. And it probably would, but our faith isn't really kind of expanded. And so I can just tell you there are cities in our area that I want to have a campus. I can tell you right now what I'm about to tell you is crazy. Ryan Coggins has no idea that I'm about to say this publicly. I haven't even really told anybody other than my wife publicly what I'm about to say to you. But there are cities, and I will do this from time to time. I'll park my car and I'll walk through neighborhoods. And I'll begin to pray over those neighborhoods. Because I'm believing at some point in time, at some point in time, we'll have a campus in the third ward. At some point in time, there'll be a campus along the east side. At some point in time, there'll be a campus in a prominent area in Ozaki County. At some point in time, we will have a flourishing campus in a rural community in Wisconsin. Because I'm tired of people saying, well, that works in the metro, but it doesn't work in suburban and in, in rural America. I grew up in Arkansas, folks. I'm just happy to have a full set of teeth and a pair of shoes. You know what I'm talking about? I get rural. <laughs> I also love real estate. I'm always looking at houses. I can tell you what houses are on the market. I can tell you what's going on. I can tell you who, I just, and the other days I was praying and processing, there was an opportunity that, that emerged in Wauwatosa. I don't have the staff for another campus. I don't have the money for this campus. It's not even in the order in which I would do the campus. But it was like, boom, it just hit me. I, and I know, I just, I know the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, whether this is God's will or not, I don't know. But it was like, it was there. So I looked at it, prayed about it, drove, walked around. Figure if I walk around seven times, the walls will come down. Amen. Just <laughs> people are probably thinking that he is creeping in the neighborhood. And I'm like, and it's just like, I, this has been months. When I was out with Pastor Tommy Barnett back in May, I told him, because he was driving me through and showing me some things, how God get blood. And I just said, I got this. And he, he smiled. He said, that's it. That's it. You can't do that, can you? I said, no, sir. He said, but if God's in it, God will provide the provision. I said, okay. I've just been praying. It went off the market. Okay. I did what I was supposed to do. Go on. I look at real estate all the time. It's back on the market. I don't know what happened. But I was like, okay, Lord, we're back in this game. And it fun? I mean, people that, people that say that serving Jesus and that pastoring and that local church and that ministry and, that, and ministry in local church is boring, they don't have my life. Because I'm telling you, I see things that don't exist. And I know that's crazy, but, that's, but Hebrews chapter 11 says faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so right now today, all I do is I pray. And if that's God's will, he'll send the provision. Maybe you have the provision. Maybe that's the reason why I waited to today. Maybe you're watching online and you have the provision. I don't know. I don't have the money. I don't have the staff. But here's what I know. For a piece of property like this, at this place, at this price, at this tax bracket that it is, it is a unique opportunity that in everything inside of me says, seize it, buy it, go. So what do we do? We just pray. That's what Nehemiah did. And then we plan and we put together the plan. And then we allow God to bring provision. And God's hand is either on it or it's not. And if it is, just telling you no devil in hell can stop it. I know I'm preaching way better than you're shouting, but I'm excited right now because this is me. Because I see, I see a church. 
I'm just telling you, I see a church of thousands and thousands of people, not for the sake of numbers. I don't, please don't misunderstand me. It's not about that. But see people from all walks of life. I see campuses in Milwaukee. I see centers in Milwaukee. I see opportunities there. I see it in, 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 in Appleton and that entire Fox River Valley. I just, because there's people that are in need of what you and I have. And that's not religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's life change. Fourth point, and I land the plane because I'm over two minutes and 51 seconds, is this. Inspire people passionately. Pretty fitting for that. I just got excited. Inspire people passionately. If you're going to have a vision, you're going to change the world, you got to inspire people passionately. People, people are not attracted to need. They're attracted to vision. People won't give their life to a need. They'll give their life to a vision. Oh, yeah, we know there's hurting people in the world, but how are we going to fix it? I got a plan. Oh, I like this. Let's do this. I don't know how this is all going to happen, but I believe this is what God wants to do. I, oh, I want to get on that. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. He said, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in here, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. He's standing in the rubble at this point. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words of the king that had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. That's very important. Not let you, Nehemiah, rise up and build. It's no longer his vision, it's their vision. So they strengthened their hands for good work and they began to build the wall. Can always tell when people have bought in to Life Church. It's when it's no longer a singular pronoun. Hey, you have a great church. I'm enjoying coming to your church. When they start saying, we have a great church. Our church is great. I love what we are doing, X, Y, Z. Nehemiah was so passionate about his calling that he inspired others to join him in his task. John Wesley who actually was the founder of the, the Methodist church. He said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. People, we want to see someone lead with a burden, not for their own interests, but for the interests of others, not for their own cares, but for the cares of others. And the burden that you bear, the passion that you have, often reveals the difference that you make. What do you get up in the morning thinking about? What puts you to bed at night thinking about? What would you do with your life if you weren't paid? What would you do if you were independently wealthy? That's your passion. If you didn't pay me a dime, I would, if you'd let me be here, I would still be here. This is my passion. I'm not here because of you. I'm not here because of a salary. I'm not here because of prominence. <coughs> I don't stay for any of that. It's the audience of one. It, it, it's knowing that one day I'm gonna stand before God and I'm gonna give an account for my life. 
And every word that I preach to you, I'm gonna give an account for. And what I wanna hear on that day is well done, good and faithful servant. What I don't wanna do is be a person that has given myself to the entire world and I've lost my soul in the process. What I don't wanna do is be a pastor that's won a lot of people to Jesus and my own family is gone and apart from God. What I wanna do is I can't wait till that day when I see Jesus and he calls me by name, the same voice that spoke the stars into the heavens, the same breath that breathed life into Adam, the same being that interfaced with Moses on Mount Sinai, the same one who met Elijah when he was just depressed and thought I'm gonna just curl up and die. The same one who opened up the heavens and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the river Jordan. The same one who we will see that the Bible says that the, dead and, that, that, that the trump of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. And those of us who are, who are dead in Christ will go up first and those of us that remain will be caught up in the air and forevermore shall we be with Jesus. That same one that will come riding, the Bible says on a white horse with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand and he will harvest the earth and the end shall come. That same one that will call you and you and you by name. He'll call me by name because he knows us and we know him because we're the sheep of his pasture. And when and the, and the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and from the shepherd they shall not wander, amen? That's what the Bible says. And on that day, he will say, Aaron, I want you to come here. He'll call you by name. He'll call me my name. And the Bible says that all that we've done for God, all that we've done from as far as the eye shall see, from the north, the south, the east, and the west, they will come. And he will say, and this is when you gave him this offering, and when you went here, and when you were obedient here, and when you didn't think anybody else noticed, and when you didn't think it made a difference, and when you didn't think that anything that you did made a difference. Here it is. <clears throat> and the Bible says on that day that that will all be put together as a crown. And that crown, I'll lay at the feet of Jesus. You'll lay at the feet of Jesus. And forevermore shall we be with the Lord. You wanna have life change? You wanna create life change? You wanna change your world? Shut off the media for a minute. Shut off everything that's around you that just propagates a certain amount of fear and frustration. I'm not saying be stupid and be ignorant, but you know what's going on. Once you have the bottom line, data and information, push it away. Don't allow fear or frustration to rule you, but walk in faith and seek God faithfully. That's what Nehemiah did. God, what do you want me to do in this moment? Why am I here in this moment? Do you understand God created you and I for this moment? He placed us here for this moment. This is awesome. He didn't put your parents here for this moment. He didn't put the second or third generation after you for this moment. He put you here for this moment. What are you called here to do for this moment? And in this city for this moment, and at this time for this moment. <coughs> we define the role clearly. We make our plans purposefully. And then we go about to inspire people 
passionately with what God's put in our heart and in our life. And I believe as we come into this fall, as a church, we're gonna see life change. We're gonna see people come to faith in Jesus. We're gonna see the church grow. The church is going to flourish. It is not over. It has not been relegated to some virtual experience. For those of you that are online, I'm sorry. But for those of us that are here, we all said a hearty amen. There's nothing like being in the house of the Lord. I'm with David on this. Better one day in God's house than a thousand elsewhere. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you for your word today. It's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I hide this word in my heart that I might not sin against you, but Lord, that I will live out your word, that I will walk out your word, that I will lean on your word. It doesn't matter that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that it doesn't matter what every devil in hell would say. God, your word says it is yes and amen. Your word says that I'm gonna overcome her because what you, Jesus, did on the Calvary's cross and the blood of my testimony, and the word of my testimony. It, your, your word says that I shall do great things because you go on to the Father's behalf for me. So Father, I just pray as a church, help us. Help us, help us to be able to win more people. Help us to be able to love more people. Help us to be able to show the light and the love of Jesus Christ. I pray in every one of us individually, Lord, the calling that's on our heart and our life, whether it's to the marketplace or whether it's to vocational ministry, oh God, that you would just make that so clear. God, that you would just open up doors. God, we pray and we pray for your provision in our life. We pray for your provision at, at our church. We pray, God, that you would bless the work of our hands. And as we read today, and God, your hand was upon him. Let those words be true upon Life Church and every person here today. Let your hand be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.